Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. So glad you're with us for the Tuesday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. We do not have a good martini yet again today, but we do have three very important martinis as it relates to the end of the U.S. military presence in Afghanistan, uh, the ongoing uh, peril for Americans, green card holders, Afghan allies that remain in Afghanistan, and just how this administration is handling all of this. So grab your stool. It's ready for you. And we're, again, very glad you're with us, uh, Jim. Today was officially the deadline to be gone. The U.S. military left, I believe, one minute before midnight Afghanistan time on Monday. And so I suppose you don't want to give them an exact moment of when you're leaving. You leave a little surprise normally. But if you have American citizens, Afghan allies and green card holders still there who desperately want to get out, it's a very bad look. Nonetheless, the administration's largely crowing about the fact that the war is over. Biden did not speak publicly yesterday. He's supposed to do so this afternoon. Uh, Secretary of State Blinken gave a speech yesterday. We'll talk about that in our second martini. But Joe Biden's performance on this particular issue, not just in the last couple of weeks, but over the past few months, has been insane. We talked about yesterday how he kept saying he couldn't change anything that Trump negotiated, but he moved the deadline to September 11th for symbolic reasons, then moved it back to August 31st for, uh, I guess, to have a talking point on the 20th anniversary of 9-11. But as you point out in the jolt today, Jim, uh, Joe Biden has lied and lied consistently. Maybe some can be chalked up as just really horrible predictions from a guy who's always wrong, but mostly he lied. And this one is definitely a lie. This is him with George Stephanopoulos just a couple of weeks ago about what happens if we get to August 31st and there are still Americans stuck in Afghanistan. Americans should understand that troops might have to be there beyond August 31st. No, Americans should understand that we're going to try to get it done before August 31st. But if we don't, the troops will stay. If we don't, we'll determine at the time who's left. And? And if there are American force, if there's American citizens left, we're going to stay till we get them all out. If there are still American citizens there, we're going to stay until we get them out. Absolutely not true, Jim. You know, I can remember when I was told that Joe Biden was going to restore norms. Uh, he was going to restore dignity and honor to the office. And we were going to be more respected in the world. And that has not come to pass as we bring August to a close. Um, today's morning, Jolt, I went back through that July 8th speech. And a lot of people have given Biden grief about his statement. The likelihood there's going to be the Taliban overrunning everything and owning the whole country is highly unlikely. And the president deserves grief for that. There's a lot more things he said in that speech that have now become a whole bunch of promises, a whole bunch of pledges that have been broken in that really less than two month period. He said our drawdown would proceed in a secure and orderly way. You know, when guys are falling from the landing gear, it is not a secure and orderly way. He pledged we provided advanced weaponry, this is to the Afghan army, and we're going to continue to provide funding and equipment and we'll ensure that they have the capacity to maintain their air force. That was a lie at that moment because we'd already yanked our support for the U.S. Air Force. They, I'm sorry, for the Afghan Air Force, they could not get airborne there was no U.S. air support for the Afghan fighters on the ground. Um, Biden declared that he had assured President Ghani that U.S. support for the people of Afghanistan will endure. We will continue to provide civilian and humanitarian assistance, including speaking out for the rights of women and girls. 
women and girls cannot go out on the street in Afghanistan right now because the Taliban has openly said their soldiers do not know how to interact around women. They are not ready for it. They cannot handle it yet. Biden said, I intend to maintain our diplomatic presence in Afghanistan. That ended. We no longer have an embassy. We no longer have consulates. We no longer have U.S. Uh, any diplomatic facilities in there. Biden said, we're going to continue to work for the release of detained Americans, including Mark Freericks, so that he can return to his family safely. Mark Freericks is still in Taliban custody. And perhaps most egregiously, Biden said, we're going to continue to make sure that we take on the Afghan nationals who work side by side with U.S. forces including interpreters and translators. Our message to those women and men is clear. There is a home for you in the United States if you so choose, and we will stand with you just as you stood with us. The administration and its policies have abandoned tens of thousands of them. In likelihood, many of them will be tortured and executed by the Taliban. The idea that this is some sort of victory, the idea that this is some sort of moment where the Biden administration and Biden can walk around with their heads held high is, is just otherworldly. And it will be appalling if the American people say, we're okay with leaving anywhere from a couple, you know, more than 100 to 300, depending on who you listen to, American citizens there. We're okay with leaving U.S. green card holders there. We're okay with abandoning Afghan allies who stood with us. And oh, by the way, Right before we started taping, I was able to uh, got this from my reader who's trying to get his people out. He has a copy of the email that the U.S. State Department is sending to green card holders who are still stranded in Afghanistan. Remember, if the Taliban finds you with U.S. papers, there's, you know, God knows what will happen to you. But the, the State Department has all kinds of helpful tips, including, quote, review your personal security plans. Be aware of your surroundings and local security developments at all times. You know, it's around your surroundings, the Taliban. The U.S. State Department also says, keep a low profile in something that belongs in one of those, was it Priceline as Captain Obvious commercials or something? <laughs> Notify a trusted person of your travel and movement plans, but better make sure they're trusted. And the, the one that I think just like, just underline it in red, make contingency plans to leave when it is safe to do so. God only knows when that'll be. And quote, so that you do not rely on U.S. government assistance. Basically saying, U.S. green card holders, you're on your own. This is an embarrassment. This is an appalling moment in this country's history. And it'll be a long, long time before anybody trusts us again. Wow. The gall to put that together. Here are your safety tips. And oh, by the way, we're not going to do anything to help you anymore. I mean, that's just, uh, and it's from what we heard, they weren't doing much to help people get through the gates and the checkpoints the last few days anyway. But one of the statements, lots of statements yesterday, one from uh, Ben Sass, uh, regardless of what you think of Ben Sass, this, I think this statement uh, crystallizes Biden very, very well. Quote, this national disgrace is the direct result of President Biden's cowardice and incompetence. The president made the decision to trust the Taliban. The president made the decision to set an arbitrary August 31st deadline. The president made the decision to abandon Bagram Air Base. The president made the decision not to expand the perimeter around Karzai International Airport. The president made the decision to undermine our NATO allies. The president made the decision to break our word to our Afghan partners. The president made the decision to tell one lie after another as the crisis unfolded. The president made the more indefensible decision to leave Americans behind. Dishonor was the president's choice. May history never forget this cowardice. Jim, uh, this is going to get uh, discussed, I'm sure, at uh, length. I assume the media pivoting to, hey, the war's over yesterday was a one 
or two day story. I hope that's not just their way of moving on. But uh, everything SAS says right there is indisputably true. Yeah. Uh, and the other things I just want to observe, you know, my colleague Charlie Cook had a very sharp observation about how when Bush screws up, it's a Bush failure. When Donald Trump screws up, it's a Trump failure. But when a Democratic president screws up, whether it's Obama or Bill Clinton or Joe Biden, all of a sudden it becomes all of our mistake. All of a sudden it becomes American mistake, America's mistake. Uh, Charlie noticed Tom Nichols writing in Atlantic, you know, Afghanistan is your fault. Max Boot dashing his fedora said, makes the same argument. Who's to blame for the deaths of 13 service members in Kabul? We all are. That's bold. And there's a lot more words that I could have used there. The grave going to tell me to keep it clean. Um, but that it's not your fault, listener, unless unless Joe Biden's listening. It's not your fault, uh, uh, Greg. It's not my fault. It, it has something to do with the fact of who put the pe- those troops in that position without the support they needed, without the equipment they needed, who decided we're not going to use Bagram Air Base because we had to get down to 700 troops. Heaven forbid we have more than 700 troops in the country before we get everybody out. This spin is disgusting. And it's... You thought you couldn't lose, you know, I, my opinion of Max Boot was not terribly high to begin with, but that no. one, that, yeah, he, he found a way to go lower, people. You, you almost have to admire the effort. Quite a spin job. We'll talk about it more here in the uh, second martini, and I'm sure we'll hear plenty from Biden this afternoon. Uh, Jim, one of the great parts of this job, of course, is getting to sample the products of our fantastic sponsors, and that includes Moink Box, which just gives you a phenomenal box of fresh meat. Is everything from steaks uh, to burgers to chicken and uh, phenomenal products. And if you could see and taste the bacon or the steaks from Moink Box, uh, you'd order it uh, right away. This is a phenomenal product, and they do their business right. You know, Greg, I guess it was probably not this past weekend. The weekend before that, we, we you know, have them. They come frozen. And I kind of had this, you know, nagging sense of, you know, okay, is it going to keep all that flavor? Is it going to live up to it? And the other thing which is worth noting is that um, if you happen to be one of those persons who likes, you know, steak sauce or some sort of hollandaise or something, that's fine. But to me, a really good steak should be able to stand on its own. Steak has its own flavor. It doesn't really need you to put anything more on it. If, you know, if somebody offered me or if it gets served with it, fine. But like, come on, steak is steak. Well, let me tell you, this Moink steak was fantastic. Defrosted easily, went on the grill easily. And I didn't need any sauce. It it retained all of the juices, all of the flavor, um, the aromas. It was just all off the charts. So it lives up to the hype. It comes to you in good quality. It's everything you want in a steak. And it's fantastic. I I couldn't uh, sing the praises anymore. Join the Moink movement today. Go to moinkbox.com slash martini right now. And listeners to Three Martini Lunch can get free bacon for a year. If it wasn't already a great deal for you, come on. That's one year of the best bacon you'll ever taste. But for a limited time, spelled M-O-I-N-K box.com slash martini. That's moinkbox.com slash martini. All right, Jim, President Biden, not in public yesterday, but uh, Secretary of State Anthony Blinken was. He delivered a speech I believe from the State Department, Um, his assistant had some issues closing the doors behind him throughout the speech, which was mildly entertaining as uh, Blinken fed us a line of bull. His speech just seemed very clinical, academic, uh, talked about how he thinks it's less than 200, maybe closer to 100 people left. The estimates, of course, range all over the place. Um, Our diplomatic work, though, is going to continue, Jim. We're just going to do it from Doha. So uh, 
people trapped in Afghanistan. Don't worry about that. We're still going to be right there. It's just going to be from Qatar. But here's the most ridiculous part, Jim. Uh, this is towards the end of his uh, speech where he was talking about how, look, if you're still there and you're an American citizen or even an Afghan ally, don't worry. If you want to get out, you still can because guess what? The Taliban gave us their word. We will hold the Taliban to its pledge to let people freely depart Afghanistan. The Taliban is committed to let anyone with proper documents leave the country in a safe and orderly manner. They've said this privately and publicly many times. On Friday, a senior Taliban official said it again on television and radio, and I quote, any Afghans may leave the country, including those who work for Americans, if they want and for whatever reason there may be, end quote. More than half the world's countries have joined us in insisting that the Taliban let people travel outside Afghanistan freely. As of today, more than 100 countries have said that they expect the Taliban to honor travel authorizations by our countries. And just a few short hours ago, the United Nations Security Council passed a resolution that enshrines that responsibility, laying the groundwork to hold the Taliban accountable if they renege. Jim, that's actually the policy they're going with. Amazing. Yes, this is the same Taliban who broke their promise to not target civilians, broke their promise to keep freed prisoners off the battlefield, broke their promises to cut ties with Al-Qaeda, broke their promises to respect women's rights, and broke their promises to not threaten and assault journalists. So why you would expect the Taliban to keep their word on any future agreements is beyond me. I, I do think that what, there's a, there's a small possibility here. People, I heard some people describing Blinken's appearance yesterday is looking like something out of a hostage video. I don't know if I would have characterized it quite that way, but there've been a few moments where we've heard reports of Blinken being less than thrilled with certain directions. Before it was mostly on China policy and, and maybe these were, you know, self-leaking or allies of Blinken who wanted to make him look tougher compared to the rest of the administration. I, I don't know. I think based on this, based on his tone, based on his body language and things we've seen, it is conceivable that at some point, a few years down the road, Anthony Blinken writes his autobiography and paints Biden in a much less flattering light than you think. And that in fact, he's been forced to go out and say things he did not want to say. I don't know if that's the case. I, I don't, you know, he always has the option of resigning and he has not chosen to do that at this point. So I'm not completely convinced of that. But that having been said, there are a lot of things about Blinken that just seem like a man who's in a situation he never wanted to be in. And this whole thing is turning to a nightmare before his eyes and he's forced to go out and make supremely implausible arguments. And he's, you know, yesterday was emphasizing any engagement with the Taliban held led government in Kabul will be driven by one thing only, our vital national interests. If we can work with a new Afghan government in a way that helps secure those interests and in a way that brings greater stability to the country and region and protects the gains of the past two decades, we will do it. What on God's green earth makes you look at the Taliban, hanging people from helicopters, executing civilians in the streets and says, oh, they're gonna bring greater stability to the country and protect the gains of the past two decades. He has to go out there and insist two plus two equals five. And I, I, I just think if you have any self-respect or any honor, you'd say, no, Mr. President, I'm not going to go out and do that. No, it's, it's absurd. But if that's not enough, here's U.S. Special Representative Zalmay 
Khalilzad, who is the special representative for Afghanistan reconciliation. Not sure there's going to be a lot of reconciling going on, but he was also uh, George W. Bush's ambassador to the UN. I think he was ambassador officially to Afghanistan at one point. Listen to a couple of his tweets uh, from yesterday and see if you think he's dealing in reality. With the departure of our military and those of the many partners who stood with us, Afghans face a moment of decision and opportunity. Their country's future is in their hands. Hmm. They will choose their path in full sovereignty. Uh-huh. This is the chance to bring their war to an end as well. This is the best part. The Taliban now face a test. Can they lead their country to a safe and prosperous future where all their citizens, men and women, have a chance to reach their potential? Can Afghanistan present the beauty and power of its diverse cultures, histories, and traditions to the world? Jim, I assume those are rhetorical questions with the assumption of no, because if he thinks they can be answered any other way, we're living in fantasy land. I, look, I think we are in fantasy land. I think this administration sees what it wants to see, claims what it wants to claim. Uh, I, I was struck yesterday by the, the terminology used by General Frank McKenzie, where he said, uh, while discussing the Taliban, uh, they've been very, quote, very, very pragmatic and very businesslike as we have approached this withdrawal. Well, maybe to the U.S. military, but meanwhile, the United Nations says the Taliban are performing summary executions of civilians and combat members of the Afghan National Security Forces. But Greg, I'm sure they're executing civilians in a very pragmatic and businesslike manner. Oh, so if the Taliban cuts off the internet, which I kind of assume they will here at some point soon, and then the blood flows in the streets, but there's no cameras to actually capture it, are we just going to pretend that they're behaving or are we actually going to tell the truth here? It's a great question because there'll be a lot of people who have a very strong incentive to pretend they didn't see anything, nothing changed, everything's fine. You know, I, I think it's an interesting, it'll be an interesting test of us as a people, whether we choose to forget but I think it'll all come out very useful on, you know, uh, it'd be interesting, you know, probably, you know, what, you know, I won't pay a lot of attention to what's going on in Afghanistan, Greg, because we have to go on, we have to make our way to the uh, Holocaust Remembrance Day ceremony. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about something happier than that. And those are the fantastic products you can get at my pillow. Look, there's nothing better than slipping into bed with soft comfortable sheets at the end of a long day and now my pillow wants you to sleep better with their giza dream sheets and be comfortable as you move around during the day in your new my slippers for a limited time you can receive 50 percent off of any giza dream sheets with a price as low as 49 dollars and 99 cents and you can get 50 percent off my slippers not my slippers personally i mean the my pillow <laughs> brand my slippers you don't want mine i've been wearing them Giza Dream Sheets. Now imagine sliding into the most comfortable sheets you will ever own, guaranteed. They're made from the world's best cotton, grown only in a region between the Sahara Desert, the Mediterranean Sea, and the Nile River. Its long staple cotton makes it ultra soft and breathable. It's available in a variety of colors and sizes. They're machine washable, and these sheets come with a 60-day money-back guarantee and a one-year limited warranty. But before slipping into your Giza Dream Sheets, slip out of your My Slippers, which you'll have been wearing for a long time because they're really comfortable. Two years they took to develop these My Slippers. They're designed to wear indoors or outdoors all day long. The My Pillow Foam and Impact Gel prevent fatigue. 
It's like uh, just really walking around on cushions all day, and it's made with quality leather suede. I've got the sheets. I've got the slippers. Uh, highly recommend them both. Very comfortable to walk around in the slippers, and the sheets, as you know, are our favorites as well. And so for a limited time, you can save 50% on all Giza Dream Sheets and my slippers. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the radio listener square, and use the promo code MARTINI at checkout. Or call 800-874-0104. You'll also find the deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the MyPillow mattress topper, the MyPillow towel sets, and so much more. So don't miss this sale of the year. That's MyPillow.com, promo code MARTINI, or call 800-874-0104. Sleep better with MyPillow.com. All right, Jim, let's move to our crazy martini now. And you usually don't get crazy martinis out of dignified transfer ceremonies at uh, Dover Air Force Base, but uh, that's where we are today. Over the weekend, this happened. The remains of those 13 American heroes uh, were brought back to the United States. Uh, The families of many of them were there. Some chose not to, and that's certainly their right. And we're getting some different accounts, some uh, disturbing accounts of of Biden's interactions uh, with the family. Some really let him have it, and he didn't show the patience or just take it. I mean, in that situation, you're just supposed to let them kind of pound on you and, and scream at you, and, and that's your kind of your job at that point as, uh, as comforter-in-chief. But apparently that didn't go well. He kind of waved people off. And then, uh, Jim, you tell the story at the end of the morning, Joel, today about uh, Mark Schmitz and, and his wife and, and the frustration they had with Biden as well because it seemed like you kept trying to make it about himself. Yeah, look, this is from the Washington Post uh, who managed to track down Schmitz. Um, it... Let, let, let's you know, begin with all the caveats. They're, they're, these are always going to be difficult moments. These are always going to be emotionally intense interactions. And I think we can only imagine what it's like to be a president, to order people into harm's way, to see them slain, and then have to look those parents in the eye and know that ultimately your orders are why that person did not come home and came home in a, in a flag-draped casket. Uh, But this is from the Washington Post article, and it says, so on that dreary morning, Mark Schmitz and his ex-wife were approached by Biden after he talked to all the other families. But by his own account, Schmitz glared hard at the president, so Biden spent more time looking at his ex-wife, repeatedly invoking his own son, Beau, who died years ago. Schmitz did not want to hear about Beau. He wanted to talk about Jared. Eventually, the parents took out a photo to show to Biden. I said, don't you ever forget that name. Don't you ever forget that face? Don't you ever forget the names of the other 12, Schmitz said, and take some time to learn their stories. Biden did not seem to like that, Schmitz recalled, and he bristled, offering a blunt response, I do know their stories. Now, this is only according to Schmitz's account. I I suppose his, you know, Biden's memory of the interaction could be different. I suppose we're only one. That having been said, you know, Biden got a lot of grief about looking at his watch during the ceremony. Now, I don't know whether Biden thought it was running long or whether he was thinking about the timing of when he was going to meet with the family. I I don't know what it is. I do know, by the way, that like when George H.W. Bush looked at his watch during a debate back in 1992, it was considered a war crime. It was, you know, oh, my goodness. Oh, how can he he get somewhere else to be? Ah, You know, Biden does it at the, you know, transfer of remains ceremony. And all of a sudden, this is something. My colleague, Charlie Cook, said this on uh, when we were taping editors earlier today. And I think uh, Bill McGurn is actually in the Washington, in the Wall Street Journal also says this today. 
Uh, speaking of Biden, McGurn wrote, he also dodges the hard question by constantly insisting the issue in contention is his decision to, to leave rather than the deadly hash he's made of it. And he bizarrely keeps invoking his son, the late Major Bo Biden, a Delaware Army National Guard lawyer who served honorably in Baghdad and whose early death from brain cancer was tragic, but has nothing to do with Afghanistan, much less the 11 Marines, Navy corpsman and Army soldier killed in yet Thursday's suicide bombing. Mr. Biden is not a gold star father and he should stop playing one on TV. The other thing I would add is that you can find comments from Biden in the past where he believes Bo Biden's brain cancer was caused by his exposure to burn pits in Iraq. I know some folks who have had serious health issues, generally lung and respiratory issues because of their exposure to burn pits. If you're not familiar with what burn pits are, uh, when you have a base out in the middle of the desert of Iraq or something, you don't really have sanitation services. There's not a garbage truck that comes along. So what they do is they big, dig a big hole and they throw their trash in there and they burn it. And you can only imagine all kinds of, you know, fumes and toxins and God knows what other kind of stuff is in that smoke. And if you're around it, the possibility you inhale it. And, you know, maybe the, you know, the idea of it causing cancer is not the craziest thing in the world. But I think it's also very important to emphasize it is by no stretch of the imagination proven this is ultimately Biden's theory that his son died because of his deployment to Iraq. One, I don't think any of the families of the servicemen of the 13 who were killed in Afghanistan in the last week want to hear about that. Two, I don't think Joe Biden's belief that he's the moral equivalent of a gold star father makes him a gold star father. And we have kept here, I, I, I just, you know, I, I wrote about this today in the morning jolt and I said, president empathy strikes again. Um, We've been hearing a lot about how empathetic Joe Biden is all during the 2020 campaign. And we kept hearing um, Biden, you know, oh, Biden's empathy. Oh, he relates to people with tragedy and stuff. I'm going to quote somebody who sent me this in an email, and I don't know if he wants to be attributed. So I'm not going to take credit for it. Somebody really smart out there made this observation. Maybe Biden's skill of empathy was always overrated, or maybe some of us got it backwards. Maybe Biden doesn't really have a gift for showing sympathy to others. Maybe the terrible things that have happened in his life caused other people to be sympathetic towards him. And that dynamic was misconstrued as Biden being really empathetic because he really does, in descriptions of encounters like this, Biden really does seem like a cranky old guy rather than Mr. Empathy that we were told about in the 2020 campaign. Well, I can't pretend to have been or be in the position of him or anyone who's Lost a child, certainly. But uh, as far as the empathy argument goes, it does seem to uh, show up at times that are politically advantageous to him. I will say that. And it's been very stark about how little it's been available in this particular crisis. But uh, we'll see what happens going forward. I have a feeling you and I are going to be uh, dissecting this Biden speech in some level tomorrow, perhaps extensively. But uh, rest up until then, and I'll see you tomorrow. See you tomorrow, Greg. Jim Garrity of National Review. I'm Greg Corumbus of Radio America. Thank you so much for being with us today. Please subscribe to the podcast if you don't already. Let your friends know about us as well. We're very grateful for your five-star ratings and your kind reviews. Those are a huge help to us. Uh, also, you can get us on those home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch Podcast. Follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Have a good Tuesday. And please join us Wednesday for the next Three Martini Lunch. We are living in difficult times where people fear having thought-provoking conversations about pressing issues. And although we're in the midst of an information explosion, there are a lot of forces aiming to distort what's true. I created The Bill Walton Show to provide a forum for in-depth, 
thought-provoking conversations with leaders, artists, entrepreneurs, and thinkers. Please join me at thebillwaltonshow.com to explore what's true, what's right, and what's next. Mm-hmm.